The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, everybody. Mike Rogers here with this week's edition of The Welsh Wire. Now, here's Sherry. Today, we're here with Nate McFadden, President and CEO of Elevator Service in Grand Rapids. Nate, welcome to The Welsh Wire. Thank you for having me, Sherry. So, Nate, tell us about Elevator Service. We are an elevator company. Uh, We are a 30-year elevator construction, modernization, and repair company. So, um, we... Uh, do basically all things that touch an elevator except for manufacturing. We, we install high-end American-made elevator systems and components. Um, but th- that's basically what we do, and we do that with a group of people that um, is really wonderful. And I think we'll get into culture a bit later, but uh, really a great group and proud to be associated with them. Absolutely. And it's a 30-year business, but it's not been your business for 30 years. No, new to me. So um, a little bit about my background is uh, prior to joining the elevator industry, I was actually an infantry officer in the United States Marine Corps. uh, Oh, no kidding. Yep. For close to 10 years. Uh, After that, I joined uh, one of the world's largest elevator companies um, in, in management and kind of worked my way up through increasing levels of responsibility. At one point, I managed the state of Michigan for uh, that elevator company and kind of uh, competed against elevator service from the vantage point of one of these multinational corporations. Um, So knew them to be a strong company uh, from several years back. And then uh, after that, moved on um, outside of Michigan and to the Northeast, uh, to New York, Boston, and Chicago. And then this acquisition, this opportunity brought me back to where my family really loves and where we're happy to be right now, which is in West Michigan. Wonderful. Wonderful. First of all, let me say thank you for your service to our country. That's terrific and incredible. And so here you are, you get yourself out of the military into the elevator business. You find that you really like it. What was particularly attractive to you about acquiring elevator service? So, so I, when I was at uh, the multinational corporation that I spoke of earlier, we actually, as a, as an institution, we tried to buy elevator service twice um, because they were such a worthy opponent for us. And even though they were not multinational at, the, at that time, they were not multi-state even. Uh, mm. They were just very strong, uh, very well run, known for quality and um, price cost leadership in the in the marketplace. And so, um, it's really kind of a, a very interesting story about the previous owners. But they they did not want to sell to a major multinational corporation. They wanted to sell to an individual that they thought would steward what they've built over the course of thirty years and mm. their people, which they valued very highly. And so. They, they nice. thought out and, and was they were looking for kind of the right fit from a personality standpoint. And that's that's kind of how this unfolded. Oh, that's terrific. So you were acquainted with them through your previous employer. They knew you a little bit, I assume. 
Very so 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 yes, that's not far off. The the person that brokered the the deal for them uh, when he was challenged to go find the right person, it's actually that person that I had a previous relationship with. Um, but but very similar to to your summary there. Terrific, terrific. So you purchased the company. How long did you say? About eighteen months ago. Pretty close. Yeah, right right at a year and a half. Okay. So you know a lot about the business. You've spent a lot of time working for a competitor of sorts. You understand the industry, but I assume that there were some challenges and maybe some surprises when you acquired the company and got into running it on a day-to-day basis. What kind of things did you find? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Coming from a large corporation, I think a lot of people can relate to this, um, especially that manage uh, the profit and loss statement um, or the overall business financials. Um, there are things that in a large corporation you manage to. So the, the P&L or the income statement are kind of how you're graded and how your performance is measured. And that's certainly important in a smaller business. Um, but what I found, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing to say this out loud, but uh, managing the cash flow was a big change because in a large corporation, um, cash is just there. And, and you certainly you pay attention to it, uh, but it's, it doesn't have the same type of meaning as it does in a smaller business where you need to make sure you're managing to that just as closely as you would the P&L. And so that was one of the, even though I could have said that, that I, I learned it academically and that was uh, certainly in my thinking, uh, the experience of going through it um, was something that was a bit of a change for me because there's no safety net, obviously. You're, you're, oh, absolutely. You're beholden uh, to payroll each month. And so that the weight of that is different than at a large corporation. It um, sure is. So yeah, some things were similar and some things were, were very different. Right, right. What about the processes? What did you find in the processes and the way they were operating? Were they similar to the way you ran things with a larger company or were they very different because of the size of the operation being smaller? Yeah. So of course, with a smaller organization, your ability to control quality, both in people and in how kind of the culture responds in various circumstances, that's, that's a much tighter organization, more nimble and responsive for sure. Um, but maybe you don't have some of the more efficient, sometimes more sophisticated processes that at times in 2018 and beyond our, our customers have become accustomed to from a technological standpoint per se. So uh, on the human factor side of it, uh, this company was head and shoulders above anywhere I had been previously, despite uh, our best efforts simply because of size and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there was an opportunity to modernize business processes a- across multi dimensions. And so, um, last year we spent a lot of time, um, doing that. And I think w- we didn't lose, we managed to preserve those human factors, which made us different and special. But on top of that, we've overlaid some technologies that make us, uh, our, our kind of, I I mentioned they were nimble before, we're still nimble, but maybe even more so because of some of the technologies we brought to bear um, in the competitive landscape. So can you give us an example of something that you worked on in the technology side of things that that really improved the processes? Yeah. So so I I always say that this office kind of ran like a 1950s military office with a tremendous (laughs) amount of precision (laughs) but also a tremendous amount of paperwork. So things were done right. Things were done clean. Um, there, were, there was no sloppiness 
but things took a long time. And so, uh, there was, there was just a lot of efficiency that we picked up in, in basically all product lines and across all individual responsibilities. So we implemented a, um, system called automated integration and a lot of service and construction companies throughout the U S have of our size, some bigger, some smaller have operated the same platform, but really impacts everything from AP and AR to accounting, to how we dispatch our technicians for service calls. And, uh, we put in the hands of our mechanics, you know, the smartphones with the ability to optimize for geography and for, uh, priority of callback and things of that nature. So, uh, it also has impacted the ability for us to report more accurately and precisely to our customers who want to see what we're doing in a greater level of detail. We've got that kind of in a format that they're used to seeing it in, in 2018. So it's really touched um, all corners of the business. Wow. So, and it's called automated integration. It is. And they specialize by the way, and basically it's oversimplification, but guys in trucks, you know, so the service industry from plumbers to HVAC to the elevator industry, things like that, um, where it's a specialty trade and you deploy um, guys in trucks to go fix stuff or to build stuff. Um, they excel at, at those things. And, and it integrates your accounting systems too, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. So it really, uh, it, yeah. So it basically, uh, from a salesperson doing an estimate to a proposal to um, follow up with the customer. So it's got an integrated sales function. And then once the job is sold from an operations standpoint, uh, the operations leaders of the business can then track the performance of their job. Are we meeting our estimate? Are we favorable, unfavorable? Why? It allows us to drill down by job, by contract. But yeah, really, it, it, it touches like I said before, all elements of what we do. And yeah. so, so to, to, to have that tool, which um, just allows for more visibility, not that we overtrack things, but it allows us to shine a light on any given job and find out um, what we did well and where there's opportunities for improvement. So it's, it's helped us get even better, I would say. But oh, I, I would, absolutely. I, would, I guess I want to jump up and down on the point of, uh, thoughtfully implementing something like this, especially with a company with such a strong heritage for mm-hmm. for excellence and doing things right. It was, it was not something that I showed up one day and said, Hey, everybody, we're doing this. It was, it was uh, laying out a vision and why we were doing it and complimentary of the way it had been done in the past, which was sincere by the way, but also, nice. Hey, it, we need to constantly change and evolve and um, grow. And so this is one area that we did that uh, in recent history here. Right, right. And you had a really strong team. You mentioned how strong your your human factors were in that operation, which is one of the things that made you want to acquire it in the first place because you knew you had a great team in place. But changing the processes so dramatically to a system like this, while I'm, it sounds like folks are on board and they got it, and they bought it, there still had to be a lot of challenge in that and everyone learning how to use the system and getting on board with it. Now, 18 months later, I'm going to guess uh, you're probably running in a good spot with that. Yeah. So so now it's the norm. Now people are used to it. Even even the most strident believers in you know, the 17-step the paperwork process are now uh, enjoy kind of the ease and the efficiency with 
with how some of their tasks have become easier and more efficient. Right. When we talked once before, you mentioned to me that the company had always been really strong on the operational side, strong with the people, but that that you had a sense that they really didn't understand how strong they were, what their own strengths were, and uh, and that that was sort of a big aha for you when you recognize that. Talk about that a little bit, Nate. Yeah, so if I could start by saying this is a group of people that prioritizes each other, the safety of each other, and um, a intense devotion to delivering our on our commitments. And so mm-hmm. prior to me being there, through the leadership of Jeff DeVries and Ginger DeVries, the previous owners, and, and the people that they assembled around them, um, it's really, it's a unique, if you look at, if you look at the elements or components of a great team, so if it's an athletic team, a military organization, whatever, in business, they have certain key attributes. And this is, this is one of the best teams, maybe the best team I've ever been on. And so, so that, that commitment to delivering on what we said we would do, what the customer expects, to the commitment to each other and supporting one another. And it's an amazing thing how a team can be, a group can be more powerful, even though they could be smaller, more powerful if that dynamic exists. So um, growth was on my mind. Some things to modernize were on my mind, but preserving that culture and um, trying to to perpetuate the legacy that Jeff and Ginger uh, gave to me um, was forefront in my mind. And it still is. I think, you know, if it involves people, it's instantly my most important thing to do. And so right. I, yeah, happy to talk about some of the follow-up questions to that, but I can't say enough about the group of people that I inherited and what they've continued to do in this, in the face of growth and change. Right. Um, but, but to answer your question directly, I felt like I needed to say that about the team because I think, you know, fundamentally as a, our, our foundational strength is in that group of people that we've got. And so yeah. investing in them, taking care of them is most important. Absolutely. You so, can't so, do any of the good work that you've done without the help and support of that team who appear to care very passionately, not just about each other and the work that they do together, but about serving your customers very, very well with that same level of excellence. And so the, the conversation that you alluded to that we had was um, the, the group didn't know their own strengths in some regards. I think in some right. regards, they saw themselves as limited to a certain type of customer or a certain size of a project. And, you know, I think one of the things maybe I added was when I came on board, I thought, geez, you guys don't even know your own strength. And you, mm-hmm. you don't know how your competitors think about you. They fear you. They, they're afraid when, when, you, when the, the day comes where you realize how strong you are. <laughs> and so kind of creating that vision for, um, you know, we've built a wonderful thing over 30 years, but, but stand by, we're about to do some really wonderful things as far as growth and, and larger projects, larger customers. And we've, you know, in the past 18 months have really achieved that we've had our best run as far as major projects, uh, growth top line. And, um, it's been a wonderful adventure over the past 18 months. It sounds terrific. So, so let me take you back a little half step, though. So you talk about how great your people are. 
they're tunneled down, they're doing their work. They don't even realize how great they are as a team, probably. Many of them don't realize what kind of terrific things they're doing as an organization there. And they've kind of they've sort of stayed in their sandbox, right? They've been doing what they know how to do really well for 30 years. Um, and you come in as an outsider and say, wow, do you realize what you've got here? And there's so much more available to us. Let's think about this. So you're, you're looking at expanding the business. You've done so very successfully operating in a market that's really dominated, as you have said, by about four global players. You've taken all of the success and taken it up to the next level, grown that business, developed a very successful niche for your business in the midst of these giants in the industry. So talk about how you've took what was there foundationally and moved it to that next level. Cause I'm pretty sure Nate, it wasn't as simple as saying, Hey, you guys are great. And we're going to go for more. There was something in between there. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think as far as selling the vision to the team and kind of communicating to them what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go based on what I said about the team earlier, probably wouldn't surprise you to say they thought, yeah, we could do that. You know, they're, they're yes. just that type of group. So I think, you know, they're the type of people that walk around and they're confident that they that they're they can do more because um, they kind of look around and they see the quality of our work and they you know we get feedback from the marketplace and so it's a, it's really a combination of things, Sherry. It's in 2018 in this industry, customers are not really satisfied with uh, the multinational corporations and there's a real opportunity for us to to be different and to win on being courteous and thoughtful and doing a good job and being safe and communicating well. I think those really simple things are, if actually done um, by people that really care, it's amazing what's possible. So kind of that's, that's the simple part of it. But I also think, you know, having the courage to, to go after larger projects and then the plan in place to execute if we get them for sure. And then also, I think this goes back to the, the reputation our company has in this industry. We're also in this in the Midwest. We're a destination employer. So people want to work. The, the, the very best elevator technicians want to work here because of what I mentioned, Jeff and Ginger, and their contribution to the culture and what this company is. And so anytime we've needed a high-quality elevator technician or construction foreman or whatever, um, there's almost a lineup uh, to come and work for this company because they know no we take good care of our people. So you know you'd be the envy. It, well, it's it's a not a bad position to be in, and we've we've been able to bring on some of the very best uh, recently to to help with our growth. Yeah, that is excellent. You would be the envy of many business owners to say that you have a line waiting for people to come to work for you. That is outstanding. Terrific. Jerry, let me let me let me interject here. I, I think you know, zooming out a bit, I think a lot of companies jump towards immediately talking about um, customer service or quality execution or, or, or it is my core belief. And it was Jeff and Ginger's as well, that all of this conversation starts around investing in our own people. I think mm-hmm. if they're engaged, if they're happy, if they believe in what the uh, institution's trying to do, then Uh, customer service is a natural byproduct of that and doing a good job when they show up is a natural byproduct. And so I think that's the reason we're a destination employer is we don't just say, you know, we like to take care of our people. We, uh, like I said before, if it's, if it's a personnel issue, it's automatically my most important thing to do. Right. 
Right. Yeah, it, it's really exciting to hear your story and hear where you've come in the last 18 months, taking something really from good to great to even better, right? Um, and it, I love the way you tie that all together. And I think you're spot on with that, Nate, that it really starts with the culture that's been created and the employees that live and breathe and support that culture, which moves over into the way, obviously, you treat and take care of your customers and clients. And then to see it spill over into the next level in talent attraction. I mean, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about. And you've already shared that, that, goodness, you've got, you've got people in the industry who know who you are, know your reputation so well, and are actually anxious to come to work for you. Yeah, it's a nice position to be in, for sure. It is terrific. So where do you see things going from here? It, from the outside, here in your story, it sounds like you're on the top of your game, but I have a sneaking suspicion that um, there's more to come for Elevated Service. Where do you go next? Yeah, so so for 30 years, uh, prior to my acquiring the company, we were a Michigan company. All of our work took place in Michigan. And uh, so far this year, we're, as of uh, very recently, we're in five states. Actually, we're in four states in Washington, D.C. So we've oh, had some great. really neat uh, dynamic growth that has occurred outside of the state of Michigan. And we, we joke in the office that the objective is intergalactic elevator domination. So I don't know <laughs> if that will be achieved, but but you've got to aim high. So, so that's, that's, right. that's, that's kind of the tagline in the office. But you're right. We've got... Um, high goals. I think in order to survive as an institution, by the way, I think that it has to be the mindset of the leadership team to grow the business. And if, if you're content with where you're at, there's a million case studies on this that you tend to kind of fade away. And so uh, we're, we've got an assertive posture for growth. We're thinking about it and we're thinking about attracting the right people to support uh, measured controlled growth. And, and, by the way, recently we've, we've been recognized for this too, which is also wonderful. It um, recognized in Lansing as one of the top 50 companies to watch in Michigan. Um, we were the epic veteran-owned business of the year recently. And so uh, that's been neat to see some accolades for this group of people that I spoke so highly about and what they've done uh, over the past three decades that has led to this moment where we're, we're, we're thriving. Absolutely. You have won that award together and congratulations. That is quite an award. Thank you. What you have gone through in the acquisition and ownership and and work that you've done in the last 18 months to bring the company to where it's at today, taking it to even higher levels. So many things about what you've experienced are being experienced every day by owners in West Michigan who are in similar situations to you, making transitions maybe from a big company way of operating to now doing so in a small company, um, taking over, acquiring a business from a longtime privately held owner who founded the company. And sometimes there are changes and hiccups that happen with that. In your case, not. But many others find challenges um, in their situation. So let me ask you if you could share a couple of success stories or lessons that you've learned along the way that you might want to share with other owners and leaders in West Michigan. Sure. Maybe a mindset that kind of goes back to, I mentioned I was an infantry officer in the Marines. And one lesson that has always stuck with me from infantry officer course as a, as a youngster Um 
was there was a uh, instructor named Captain Appleton. And uh, Captain Appleton required that every lieutenant, every infantry lieutenant, kept a mouth guard, like what boxers would wear, uh, in their left uh, breast pocket of their uniform. And the reason is, at any given point, day or night, whether you were taking a test or on a patrol or, 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 uh, Captain Appleton could walk out from behind a tree or into the room and point at you. You would have to put your mouth guard in and you would have to fight him. And so that sounds like an extreme thing, but what it did was teach all of us that unexpected challenges were going to arise at, at any time. And so not to be surprised by them, not to reel in fear or get staggered uh, mentally, challenges are going to happen, but you put your mouth guard in, you do what you need to do, which in every case was get beat by Captain Appleton. He was a, he was a, golden, he was a golden gloves boxer and he was uh, whatever and oh, he never lost. So, uh, but, but the lesson was tremendous because what it taught us to do is that we had a job to complete. There was a mission to accomplish things were going to go awry in the plan. Uh, but you put your mouth guard in, you get through it, and then you get on the other side of it and you keep executing the plan or you make changes if that's required. So I keep, uh, Sherry, I keep a mouth guard on the center of the conference room table, which we call the war room at our office, uh, just to <laughs> symbolize uh, that challenges will come up. Things that we're not expecting are going to come up, but we, we smile and we say, okay, let's fix it. And so I, I think that uh, that mindset of um, being resilient in the face of challenges is something that probably all entrepreneurs can relate to. Right. Oh, absolutely. I love that story. And I love the way you've brought that application and that lesson into the company now and shared it with others. I'm also really glad that um, he had you keep that mouth guard in your pocket. So you're always on the ready because, man, he sounds like quite oh, a yeah. fighter. He was. But what a lesson. Wow. Anything else that you might share? Any other lessons or things that you learned along the way? No. I, I, so maybe one other thing, and maybe this is more relevant to people that are considering entrepreneurship or ownership outside of uh, a safe corporate setting. I think in life, you know, most decisions come with trade-offs. I always thought I would, I would remain at a large corporation and, and just continue to rise to the level that I, that I earned or that was available. Um, and didn't think of myself as a business owner. I thought of that as overly risky and something, you know, that, that I just didn't know a lot of entrepreneurs. I wasn't totally comfortable with it. Um, this opportunity kind of came and, and tapped me on the shoulder and it's been a wonderful experience. But anybody that's on the fence, I would say it's scarier on the side that where, where there's comfort. I think if you wade into entrepreneurship or business ownership, you know, certainly there's risk. Certainly it can, it can fail. But if you look around, I mean, this is the United States of America. There's people that, that maybe aren't the smartest people in the world that are doing really good work and wonderful work with a lot of effort. And so I, I to me, this, this has been um, something I haven't regretted in the least. I, I love, so the trade-offs that I've chosen to go into entrepreneurship have been, um, I would recommend them to anybody that's considering it. Right. That, that is great advice. And I, and I certainly echo and understand what you're saying in that. I've heard people say the same thing, that owning a business like you and I do is a risky venture. But I say, you know what? I think working for a large company could be a risky venture. I'm really close to the P&Ls and the cash flow in my business. 
I know exactly right. what's going on all the time. And I know exactly who's responsible for making that happen. It's, it's my team of five here in the office. We're making it happen. And we know exactly day to day where that business is headed. You don't always have that security in a large company. And um, we're really glad to hear that you made that step out of that large company into a small company having such tremendous impact for your customers and your employees in West Michigan and now um, for customers in some of the surrounding states too. That's really exciting, Nate. Thank you for being with us today on The Welsh Wire. Nate, your story has been great. I'm sure our listeners uh, will enjoy having an opportunity maybe to connect with you either on LinkedIn or by email if they have a question or a comment. If someone should want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you, Nate? Certainly. By the way, I'd welcome that. I love participating in the community. Um, the, the Michigan business community has been so great to us for so long. If anybody um, wanted to reach out and hear more about our story, I would encourage them to do so. I guess I, I check LinkedIn uh, once in a while, so please feel free to look me up at uh, Nate McFadden uh, on LinkedIn. All right. Terrific. Nate, thanks so much for being with us today on The Welsh Wire. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.